0: It is a joy to be back here again with y'all. My name is Mike Ford, and I'm the REF campus minister at Arkansas. And uh, I just want to thank you as a church for loving my family well and supporting my family and loving uh, the students of Arkansas. We've started, and I am exhausted and tired. It's been a busy three weeks, but the Lord is at work, and I could share story and story. So I just want to thank y'all for that. Um, At Christ Community in Fayetteville, we did a a sermon series uh, that we just finished on sharing our faith. Thoughtfully, gospel conversations. And they gave me the first sermon, which was the why. Why do we do that? So um, I wanted to share that again. Um, and so why questions are more important than what questions logically. That if I want to get to know you, I can ask what questions. Uh, what do you do? How old are you? Where do you work at? Etc. right? And those are good questions. But if I want to get to know you, I want to get to your heart, I'm going to ask why questions. Uh, why did you marry that person? Why did you take that job? Why did you move here? Um, and that's how I, why, why do you keep doing that, right? Then I get to know who you are. And so um, for, for this sermon and for sharing our faith, we have to know the why. I don't know if many of you saw this video about Michael J, not to be confused with Michael Jordan, but he is a comedian slash motivational speaker and he's a Christian and he speaks at these conferences. And one of these conferences in between his sets, you know, he was just kind of riffing with the guy. And he found out that the guy, E. Daryl Duff, was a um, choir director. And so asked him, well, do you sing? And he's like, yeah. He's like, all right, so we'll sing Amazing Grace. And so E. Daryl Duff sang Amazing Grace. And, you know, he's got a good baritone. You know, sounded good. Um, you're like, okay, he's got a good voice. But then Michael J. goes, okay, how about this? Imagine your uncle just got out of jail. You just got shot in the back as a kid. You, you know what I'm saying? Give me that hood version of Amazing Grace. And I was like, I've never heard. The Hood version. I like, cannot wait to hear what this is. Um, and then E. Darrell Duff just started singing, and it's like I had never heard Amazing Grace before. I mean, if you've seen the video, you get chills and tears in your eyes as he's singing about the grace of Jesus. And what Michael J. says is before he knew the what, sing Amazing Grace. But the second time he knew the why. And as Christians, many of us, if you grew up in the church, you know the what, right? We're supposed to share our faith. Jesus says in Matthew 28 Go into all the world and make disciples. Uh, Or John 20, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Or Acts 1, you will be my witnesses. But if we don't know the why, uh, we're going to share our faith out of fear or out of guilt. Or for most of us, we won't share it at all. And so what I'm trying to do for myself as well is to remind us of the why this morning. And so as we read this text, um, you can stand for the reading of God's word. I'd ask all of us to ask the question this. Why does a Samaritan woman go and share her faith? Why? Not what does she say, but why does she go share her faith? Please give your attention to the good news of a God who gives us a why. John 4, verse 4. And Jesus had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was the sixth hour. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. And now verse 15. And the woman said to him, Well, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, well, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying you have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is true. They have a discussion down in verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah who is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out to him or they went out of the town and were coming to him. And finally, verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This is God's word given to you because he loves you. You may be seated. You know, as human beings, we share beautiful things in our lives that we long to invite other people into the beauty we see. Uh, This is why if you ever go to Crystal Bridges in northwest Arkansas, one of the best American art museums, you see it all the time. People are touching the small of other people's backs. They're grabbing their elbows, their shoulder, and they're pointing, right, at a painting or an art sculpture. Why? Because they see something beautiful, and they want to share it. This is why we share, you know, YouTube video, viral videos of, like, cute kittens. This is why I will go around and share plates of bacon, uh, because it is beautiful to me, and I want to share it. Or how about this? This is why you get something in the mail from a new parent who just had a child. And what do they do? They send you a a picture of the child, and it's their name, their birth date, their birth weight, right? And then what's prominently displayed is a picture of a naked, wrinkly baby. Um, And we did that. Why do they do that? Because that that naked, wrinkly baby is beautiful to them, and they want to share it. We long to share beautiful things and bring other people into it. It does beg the question, though, of course, well, what is beauty? We have different views. Uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, of course. Um, you know, some of you all might see sunrises or modern art more beautiful than other people. And I don't really want to get into all that versus that subjective or subjective nature. What I do want to say, though, is that beauty is still something we should appeal to in our evangelism. When we share our faith, we should appeal to beauty. Because I think beauty in our culture still moves everyone, regardless of, of what they believe. The ancient culture had the triumvirate, goodness, beauty, and truth. It was to describe reality. And truth, of course, uh, I was just talking with Bill um, this morning. Uh, in our culture, naturally excludes the supernatural almost immediately. Right? Christians, we believe in the supernatural. But you've got a lot of work. I think the Christian faith is true, and I think supernatural is true. But it's a lot of work, right, when you deal with someone who doesn't believe that. Goodness is subjectivistic. It's relativistic. Do whatever do makes you happy, as long as it doesn't affect me. Okay, we got a lot of issues there, but beauty. I mean, beauty immediately connects with us, right? Uh, it was, uh, it's still whispers of transcendence. George Steiner, the great essayist and critic said, beauty is the echo of the presence of other. This is why you want to share beauty with other people, because it reminds you that there are beautiful things in this world, and there is other presence in this world. You want to share it. And so, uh, oh, James Cameron filmmaker uh, for the movie Avatar. Uh, it's very, if you've seen it, it's like Times Square overload. It's, it's very uh, sensory and, and over the top. It's elaborate. And this is why he says he does that. He goes, when people have an experience in the movie theater that's very powerful, they want to go share it. They want to go grab their friend and bring them so they can enjoy it. They want to be the person that can bring them the news that this is something worth having in their life. Like, they want to share that beauty. Uh, Do you feel like that with Jesus? Is Jesus beautiful to you? That you want to grab someone and say, you've got to have this in your life. It was Simone Weil, the French philosopher and Christian mystic, who said, In all that awakens within us the sentiment of beauty, there is truly the presence of God. That in beauty there is the presence of God. There is a kind of incarnation of God in the world of which beauty is the sign. What they are saying is that if there is something beautiful in the world, It is a symbol or a reflection of the ancient beauty of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dwelling in beatific unity. And this is why the Bible, Psalm 27, this isn't just me and James Cameron talking. In Psalm 27, 4, uh, the psalmist says, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. That the beauty of the Lord um, is something that we all long for and we all long to share. Is Jesus, is God beautiful to you? Um, because the reason sometimes I don't share my faith as much or we don't share our faith is we forget that like Jesus is actually beautiful. And if, if something isn't beautiful, it's not worth your time, right? You're not going to share it. But if it is, you're, you're going to share it. And so... Um, Again, is Jesus beautiful to you? Because the more you you see Jesus as beautiful, the more you're going to want to share him. And so I just have two points. I just want to remind us that Jesus actually is our why for evangelism. To share our faith, it's actually Jesus is the reason. There's your Sunday school answer. You're welcome. Um, But I want to say this. Jesus is beautiful to us in two ways from this passage. That Jesus is beautiful to this woman in two ways, and that's why she goes and shares her faith. First... Jesus breaks down barriers. Jesus breaks down barriers. Um, You know, a barrier, by definition, divides things. If you have a home, uh, you have an exterior wall, and it divides the yard from inside, right? And all the bugs that are in my front yard right now. It's a barrier. It divides things. But also, if you go inside the house, you have different rooms, right, where people sleep. Those walls are barriers between the presence of two people, of my younger children, right? And they're fighting. It's a barrier between that. But that's what we do as human beings. We love to create barriers between the presence of other people. That's why we had the Great Wall of China. That's why we had the Berlin Wall. And in that culture back then, there were many barriers that in this interaction, Jesus is smashing with a sledgehammer. That barriers are not an issue to Jesus to get to your heart. Uh, the first thing we see is uh, the barrier of race. You notice this in verse 9 where it says, The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman? And then John explains to us, parenthetically, by the way, Jews don't don't talk with Samaritans. That doesn't happen ever. You see, uh, Jews hated Samaritans, and Samaritans hated Jews. Jews thought they were half-breeds, a mixed race of uh, Babylonian and Assyrian uh, uh, race. And they hated them. In fact, it says in verse 4, Jesus had to pass through Samaria. The reason it says that is Jerusalem's down here, some, uh, Galilee is up here where they're going Samaria is in the middle and often you guys remember the story of the good samaritan right that's happening in here in Samaria where there's a journey from Jerusalem to Galilee and Samaritan robbers would beat and take Jewish people as they walked on their way so most Jewish people would go around Samaria but Jesus like no I got to pass through it why he's got to break down these barriers that's why he came so Jesus breaks the barrier of race it's not an issue to him also Jesus breaks the barrier of religion. Um, in verses 16 through 25, you don't have printed, uh, but they have a little discussion about different religion. They're like, y'all think you're supposed to worship on Jerusalem. We think we're supposed to worship here in Mount Jerusalem. Like, who's right? What's going on? Um, the Samaritans were a, a, a mixed religion of Babylonian and Assyrian gods and the Jewish God. And Jesus engages with her. And the question for us is, are we able to engage with people who think differently than us? of different religions. Can we actually engage with them? Because Jesus does that just fine. Uh, But also, Jesus breaks the barrier of gender. Uh, Look, men did not speak to women back then in public, especially a Jewish rabbi. We'll say for affinity reasons. They didn't want to have the possibility of their reputation being ruined or tarnished. Jesus doesn't care about that at all. Uh, There's a traditional Jewish prayer that says, I thank you, God, that I'm not a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. And this is why in verse 9 it says, The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me? A woman of Samaria. She knew. She knew her place in that society. No Jewish rabbi had probably ever talked to her once. And this is why in verse 27, when the disciples come back from getting food, they marveled, it said. They were amazed that he was talking with a woman. You just didn't do that. Jesus does not care about his reputation. He will break every barrier to get to you. And then lastly, um, the last... Oh, and uh, Hannah Wolff is a commentator who said, Jesus is the first man to break through the ancient world's androcentricity. And you're like, thank you, German commentator. It just means male-centeredness. That Jesus is like, I was there at creation. They were created male and female. Both were equal. There is not one who is to be center of society. And he's going to show it in the way that he acts and interacts with this woman. But lastly... Um, Jesus breaks a social barrier. Uh, This woman would not have been hard to figure out that she was an outcast. Uh, Many of you probably heard this, but women back then went to the well uh, early in the morning. You had to hang out with your friends. It was cooler then, and then you also needed the water for the rest of the day's chores. But this woman goes at noon in the hottest part of the day alone. Why is she doing that? She's just sick and tired of hearing all the whispers behind her back with the other women. She's got a reputation, you see, we find out later. And she's sick of it, and she'd rather be alone. You see that the barrier of the presence of others have been gone away, and now she's alone. And Jesus doesn't care. This is why, side note, Jesus sends 12 disciples to go get food. You don't need 12 people to get food for 13 people. You know, each each buddy carries like a banana or something. No, you only need like three or four people. But Jesus sends them all away. Why? Because he wants to personally talk with this woman. She's used to people judging her and talking about her behind her back, right in front of her. And Jesus goes, i got to get rid of these guys. Because he wants to get to her heart. And this is just who God is. God is the great barrier breaker. This is why the triune God, before God had created the world, existed in beatific love. said, so we got to expand this circle. And they broke the barrier of the Trinity and created us, the world. This is why when Adam and Eve sinned and were expelled from the garden... They were ruining paradise. God says, no, I'm going after them. And he broke the barrier of paradise. It says, Cain, my son, sin wants you. Come back to me. This is why God uh, sends Moses to break the power of the most powerful king in the world, Pharaoh, to break the barrier of the waters of the Red Sea and to break the walls of Jericho, because God is a great barrier breaker. And like all themes, this this theme of of Jesus, um, of God being the great barrier breaker, finds its fulfillment in the life of Jesus who, of course, broke the barrier between God and man and became a naked, wrinkly baby, who uh, went to parties with exotic dancers and corrupt politicians and yet never sinned, and at the same time was willing to play duck-duck-goose with little children. Like, this is just who Jesus is, y'all. He breaks barriers to get to our hearts. And like all things, um, the greatest barrier he broke was death, which was symbolized by the empty tomb on that resurrection morning. We serve a God who breaks every barrier to get to our hearts. And that is one reason that this woman saw that he was beautiful to her. But secondly, um, Jesus is also beautiful, ironically, because Jesus makes you beautiful. Jesus is beautiful to us because he actually makes you and I beautiful. Um, What do you think makes you beautiful? Your curves, your lips, uh, your money, your intellect, your personality? Because all the things uh, will fade and go away. But the gospel has a different definition of beauty. And one of those, uh, to begin with, the gospel definition of beauty begins with this. It means to be known, to be fully known. Um, If you notice in verse 15, the woman goes, Sir, give me this water that I will not have to be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. You know, um, Tim Keller helped me sort of think through and imagine what this woman would have been thinking. Uh, At this point, she would have been, well, this is great. This Jewish rabbi is talking to me even though I'm a woman. I'm a Samaritan, and she clearly knows something's up because I'm out here at noon at the well, but he doesn't matter. He's still engaging with me, treating me with respect and dignity. But he doesn't know. Like, if he knew, at least he doesn't know my my sexual history. At least he doesn't know my reputation. Because if he knew that, there's no way he would continue to talk to me. Um, What barrier do you think is too great for God? Look, I've had a lot of conversations with college students the past year and a half where things that they have done, and things that have been done to them that are atrocious. Uh, and many of that has happened in your lives. I know that. It's happened in my life. But What this passage teaches us, and what the story of Scripture teaches us, is that there is literally no barrier that God will not get to to break through, to get to your heart. And that uh, woman realized that as Jesus goes, go call your husband and come here, the woman answered him, um, in this phrase, uh, I, <clears throat> I, or, I have no husband. And shame is welling up inside of her. He knows. Embarrassment is welling up inside of her. She can't wait to get away. Um, and then it hits her. He knows. He knows the worst things about me. And he still offers me living water. He knows my reputation. He knows it all. And he still offered me Living water. Um, Because gospel beauty isn't just being known. It's being known by Jesus, but not rejected by him. Knowing the worst things about you, and yet he doesn't reject you. You think she'll ever forget that moment? Have you ever experienced that, to be fully known by someone and not rejected by them? Um, This is captured really well in this BBC show called Sherlock. It's on Netflix where, I don't have time to explain all the details, but basically Mary Elizabeth Watson is married to Dr. Watson. It's Christmas time, they're outside of a fireplace, um, and she's pregnant with their child, and they're married. And he finds out that actually, actually Sherlock found out, that she uh, was actually an assassin in her former life, and she's a double agent, this whole time she's been doing that behind his back. I mean, imagine you're married to a woman who's married, uh, pregnant with your child, and you find out she's a secret agent, okay? I don't think that's my wife, but if that happened to me right now, I'd be very surprised, okay? You'd be disoriented. It would be uh, strange. What would you do with that? And what she does is, she goes, I'm giving you an out. And so she hands him a flash drive and goes, on this flash drive is everything I've ever done. This is my life. He takes it, and he goes and thinks about it, and he comes back to her in front of the fire. And he says this, this beautiful phrase. He goes, your past is your business. Uh, but your future is my privilege. And he takes that USB flash drive and he throws it into the fire. You think Mary Elizabeth Lawson will ever forget that moment where her husband chose her over her past? You think she will ever forget that? She will never forget that moment. Have you ever experienced that? I shared this last year with you all, but I'm going to share it again because beautiful things are worth sharing. Um, That I experienced this with my own wife in my own marriage. And that early on in our marriage, I had lied to my wife about something I had done, and so um, I knew that I had to tell her. It was eating me up inside. And I got home from work, I opened the door, I walked in, she's in the kitchen, and I am in the living room, and the kitchen uh, counter is sort of a barrier that I've created between us. And I told her uh, what I had lied about, and I lost it, I just broke down. And at that moment, my wife just walked around and didn't say anything. And she put her hands out, right? And I thought she was going to punch me. But she just put her arms around me. She just put her head on my chest, and she just held me. I will never forget that moment, because my wife knew the worst things about me, and she didn't reject me. Have you had that experience with Jesus? Because here's the difference between Dr. Watson and Jesus. Dr. Watson takes a USB flash drive, and he goes, your past is my business. And he plugs it into the computer and he puts on his reading glasses and he drinks copious amounts of coffee. And he reads every bibliography, he reads every footnote, every reference, because he has to know everything you've done. Everything. Because he has to know what he's going to pay for. He has to know what wrongs he's going to make right. and So he goes up to Mary Elizabeth Watson, he goes up to us and he goes, your past is is my business and yet your future is still my privilege. And this is why on the cross he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he's being rejected for us. You see, he doesn't just throw the flash drive into the fire. He throws himself into the fire. He doesn't just offer us living water. He, off, he, he drowns in the water to give it to us. And the barrier that's being created by, by him and God on the cross is our flash drive, our sins, our past. You see, he's being rejected by God. What's the barrier? Us, our sins. He trades flash drives with us. He gives us the perfect one, the perfect past, so that we might not be rejected. That gospel beauty is being known by Jesus, not rejected by him, because Jesus was rejected for you. That's why. It was Dostoevsky who said in his, his book, The Brothers Karamazov, the awful thing is that beauty is mysterious as well as terrible. God and the devil are fighting there, and the battlefield is the heart of man. Jesus won by being rejected for you. And this woman at the well had never experienced anything like that. She'd been known by a lot of men and rejected by all of them. This is the first man who knew her and didn't reject her. And that's why it says in verse 28, the woman left her water jar and went away and said to the people, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Um, The water jar symbolized her shame, her failures, her past. And she leaves it with Jesus because that no longer defined her. Jesus had made her beautiful. And one commentator said, this is a story about a woman who came with a water jar but left with the well. What a way to put it. Now, this isn't the uh, why, uh, like what do you say sermon. This is the why sermon. But what this does mean for us, I just want to focus real quickly on her words in verse 29. Come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? You're like, whoa, lady, don't get too confident there. Um, this is not a book you would put in the evangelism section. Say it like this. Uh, This is not something I would replicate, right? I don't know. Maybe Jesus is the one who can save you from your sins. Come check him out. I don't know. She's not very confident. This should give you confidence. It's Jesus who saves. It is not you in in our words. It's Jesus' words. But it worked. Look at verse 39. And many Samaritans from the town believed in him. Because of the woman's testimony, he told me all I ever did. What we can at least say about this woman is that she was honest She was enthusiastic, and she pointed people to Jesus. And this word testimony means to share with other people, to attest to something personally. And so the question for us is, are you sharing your life with your non-Christian friends? Do they know what you struggle with, what your hopes are, what your dreams are? Because this woman was sharing her life with them in her experience with Jesus. Because if we follow the logic, we long to share beautiful things, Jesus makes us beautiful. You know what that means? Jesus wants to share us. You and I are actually the thing that Jesus shares with the world. Us. Because we are beautiful to him and he wants to share us. So Jesus is our why to share. Well, guess what? We're Jesus' why. Isn't that beautiful to you? Like, don't you want to share that with others? I'll close with this. Um, Theodore Dostoevsky also wrote a book called The Idiot. It's a fantastic book. He's a um, Russian novelist, Christian, uh, existentialist from the 1800s. And he um, wrote this book to try to, to write the perfect Christ-like character, Christ-like figure, Prince Mushkin. And Mushkin, uh, Prince Mushkin has epileptic seizures. Uh, he's innocent. He's also a little naive, which might be the one pushback, because Jesus, if we know from this passage, is anything but naive. But it's a fantastic book. And he's in love with a woman named Nastasia Filipovna. He's actually in love with two women. But he's in love with Nastasia, and the reason he gives for being in love with her is because she has suffered much. That's his reason. And Nastasia doesn't return to love. She plays games with him. She's going to marry someone else. She, she teases him. And Hippolyte is a friend of Prince Mushkin, and he kinda, he's a classic cynic. And he kind of mocks Prince Mushkin for loving Nastasia, and here's what he says. It's a famous passage. Is it true, Prince Mushkin, that you once declared that beauty would save the world? Great heaven, the prince says that beauty saves the world. And I declare that he only has such playful ideas because he's in love. Gentlemen, the prince is in love. I guess at the moment he came in, don't blush, prince, don't blush. You make me sorry for you. What beauty can save the world? And we would say Jesus. Jesus is the beauty that saves the world. Verse 42 ends... It is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. And why? Why did Jesus save the world? Because the Prince is in love. Jesus is in love with you. And this is why he breaks every barrier to get to your heart. This is why he knows everything about you, but doesn't reject you, because he was rejected for you on the cross. Because he's in love with you. He wants to be with you. Jesus, the beautiful one, really does save the world. And... I think that's something we're sharing. May God give us the grace uh, to do so. Jesus is our why. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for a passage um, in which you remind us that you are the one who offers living water. You are the one who makes us beautiful. Uh, And that we share um, your beauty um, because because without you, Lord, um, we cannot be saved. God, I thank you again for reminding us that you were rejected for us, that you, the Christ the Messiah, has come. Be with us, we pray, this week as we go out into the world and share our lives with others and share the beauty that you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.